Hi, I'm Liam Ford, founder and CEO of The Zone, and welcome to The Zone Way Podcast. The Zone Way Podcast is a deep dive with my guests into leadership and organizations. It reflects our work together over the last 25 years in more than 35 countries. My guests bring the richness and authenticity of lived experience that ripples beyond textbooks into our everyday lives, illuminating the challenges, the celebrations, successes and failures we will all face. The Zone Way is a philosophy, a methodology and a set of tools to create enlightened leaders and enlightened organizations. Welcome and enjoy. Hey, and welcome to the Zone Way podcast. And today's special guest is Melissa Palazzo. Because we've got a global audience, Melissa, I mean, let's start off and tell people, you know, where are you in the world? I am in the Big Apple of New York City, New York, here in the United States of America on a beautiful day that is not that warm and not that cold. It's kind of that perfect temperature for New York. Ah, perfect. perfect. But hang on a minute. I met you. When I met you, you were in LA. You were on the other side, the other coast. So how did you get to New York? I was. I was, yeah, I was on the warm coast. Well, you know, Liam, Los Angeles is such an incredible place with incredible people and incredible weather. And before the pandemic, I had lived there for 15 years. It really had become my home. But during the pandemic, with everything that was going on, I started to evaluate or reevaluate my priorities and my values. And we have a seven-year-old daughter, Maya, and she's an only child. And both my husband and my family live on the East Coast. And when things were their normal selves, we would travel back and forth all the time. But of course, we couldn't because of the pandemic. So Chris and I really dug deep into our hearts and asked ourselves, where do we want to be? Where do we want to live? And our head said Los Angeles because it's so beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) But our hearts pointed us to the Big Apple, and we made a move during the pandemic, which I don't suggest to anyone ever again, because it was kind of crazy. But we are close to family, and it's such a blessing because, you know, it's really important. It takes a village to raise our daughter, and she's just thrilled. And we're we're making our community here in New York, and we're really grateful for that. Oh, that's great. I just love that story, that sort of head heart story like you know like hey we're in the sunshine state why, why would we leave and the you, but of course you follow your heart right and do, do the right yeah. thing. do the right thing by your daughter huh? so that's fantastic yeah yeah so like second question just to sort of get us started like tell us a little bit about or tell our listeners a little bit about your journey sort of life and career to getting where you are today because because today when we first met, you were an executive in a, a very high-powered uh, organization, you know, uh, like really mm-hmm. global, I mean, a top-notch. Yeah. And now you're yeah. doing something, which we'll talk about later, which really lights you up. Uh, yeah. So what, just give us a really brief sort of tour of that journey. Of course, of course. It feels like a long journey, but I'll, I'll keep it as brief as possible. You know, when I was in school, I was super creative. So I thought to myself, I should be an accountant, which makes no sense at all, of course. (laughs) (laughs) And there goes that head heart thing again. 
my ah. heart. I wanted to be a performer, but my head said, that's insane. You'll make no money. Be an accountant. That's reasonable. So there I became an accountant, a certified public accountant working for the big four, which, you know, was wonderful. Um, but I quickly realized that I just couldn't do it. I couldn't just quiet my heart. So I learned that I wanted to use my head and my heart in business. So I had always loved creativity. So then I went to work at Sony Pictures. And then on to Miramax and then to USA Networks. So all creative organizations creating content. And I was able to learn the creative side and the business side, which for me, I quite enjoyed. I moved on to USA Networks, which took me to Ketchum Public Relations in New York, which is an Omnicom organization. Then went to Ant Farm, another Omnicom organization, one of the top Hollywood agencies for a very long time, very award-winning, all the awards you can possibly imagine with incredibly creative people. And then that led me to Eclipse, which is another organization, creative organization, and then most recently, Sid Lee, the global advertising agency, all along wanting to contribute my time and treasure. So I also joined a place called Home, which is an incredible organization in South Central, and it helps children improve their their lives and their economic conditions and something that I'm super, super passionate about. Ooh, tell me a little bit about a place called home. I mean, I love your career, and I'll we'll come to that. But what, tell us about this place called home, because didn't you just have a a fundraiser recently? So we did. I've been on the board of a place called home for about seven. No, probably eight years now because it was before I became a mom. And it's an organization that we went to regularly in our agency worlds. And we would go to galas every year. And and galas were wonderful. But something about a place called home really touched me. And I went to the organization in South Central and I met the children and I got to build Legos with these children. And what I saw in their eyes was hope. And I thought, wow, if these children under these conditions have such hope in their eyes and spirit in their hearts, imagine what they can do with some additional economic resources. And so I decided to join and to give my time and treasure as much as I possibly can. I have the honor of being on a board with incredible, incredible people, some of whom are dear friends. And together, we do our best to make a difference in the lives of these children and the families in South Central Los Angeles. Yeah, so they, these kids are like disadvantaged in, in lots of different ways, right? They don't have the access to things that some other kids do. So, uh, and you're providing yeah. that, right? And you're providing a safe yeah. space that they can learn there, right? That's absolutely right. And the other thing, Liam, that I think is so important, and these kids taught me, you know, sometimes we can't see more than what's directly in front of us. Mm. And so the probability of someone being born into a certain zip code the probability wow. is they will continue to be in that zip code because they haven't seen beyond that zip code. Wow. But when they see what's beyond not only the zip code, but a short ride to the beach of about eight miles in a bus, not even realizing that the beach was there. But when they saw the beach, they were able to see beyond what they had seen for so long. And that just creates that possibility. And when we and they look in the direction of what's possible, miracles happen. And so mm. many of these beautiful children have gone on and come back to APCH to actually work at the organization and share with the other children. They have gone on to college. They have gone on to government positions. They have gone on to many, many things and are giving back to their community. And it just really touches my heart. Wow. So give us a plug for APCH. How do people get in touch with APCH if they want to donate their yeah. time or their money? Yes. Hint, hint money. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. After all, we are a not-for-profit and we do need funds. So you can go to a place called home, do a search. It's in South Central Los Angeles and there are ways to mentor, which is super important. Give your mm. time, give your money, you know, especially around the holidays right now, you can adopt a family. So, you know, some families don't have the opportunity to give children presents that they would like. And that's a really wonderful opportunity, not just for the children, but for the giver as well. You know, I don't know about you, but I find when I give, I feel like I'm actually getting so much more than what I'm giving. You know, it's really, yeah, yeah, it's a very special thing. Oh, cool. Hey, well, yeah, thanks for that. I know we went a bit sideways, but that's super important. We did, but that's okay because it's for the kids. Yeah, that's right. It's great. It's It's the time of year to start, you know, to really lean into that, isn't it? So, yeah. Cool. So before we jumped on to the call, you know, I said, hey, Melissa, what do you want to talk about? And you said, uh, there's three things that I want to talk about, which I, I'm really, yeah. you know, I find I'm really passionate about. And so you jumped off the corporate, you made a choice, and you started doing something that's really lighting you up. And I think yeah. that was a heart choice again, wasn't it, Melissa? I think, you know, you overruled yeah. your head and went, money, 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 money. No, no, impact, money, impact. Money, money, money. <laughs> Yeah. You know, at the beginning of the year, again, during the the pandemic, you and I had talked um, and you were offering a reboot class, right? Mm. A a class that helps to clarify one's priorities, one's values, one's mission in life. And I thought, well, gosh, that sounds like a good idea right now in the middle of everything in the world (laughs) blowing up as it was. It's a good time to take a step back and assess. And And so I did that and I got to see what I really love doing. And what Mm. I really loved doing in all of my positions was coaching, coaching my teams, coaching others, even coaching the people that I worked for. And so I made a decision to not only be an executive in a consulting fashion, but to be a coach. And for me, I want to challenge the cultural mythology that stress and struggle are a prerequisite to success, creativity, and happiness. Wow. And my mission, Liam, my mission is to unleash the human potential within all women, right? And it can be done with intelligence, it can be done with humor and heart. And I think that I know, actually, let me be very clear. I know that when we see and live beyond our perceived limits, we have fresh ideas, we create incredible impact, and we actually profit from stronger performance. Wow, and I can hear the dog in the background agreeing with you. So that's really cool. (laughs) (laughs) And you've got to listen to our pets, right? They're like, yeah, go I'm for so it, sorry. mom. Go for it, mom. I'm so no, no, sorry. I mean, I, I love I'm it. I'm so it's, sorry. It's all about being more human. We all have pets, and you know, and they they do things. What do they say on film sets? You know, pets and children. <laughs> they always oh, surprise yeah. you. So that's great. So he or she, what's her name or his name? <laughs> She's really present with us right now. Isn't she? <laughs> oh my goodness, her name is Missy. She was also. I will tell you a story about her because this is another head and heart thing, Liam. My daughter had wanted a dog so badly and I said, absolutely not. That's an awful idea. And then the pandemic happened and a a woman that was a friend of a woman on the block, she passed away at 100 years old to COVID. Oh, wow. And she had a dog. Her dog was Mm. Missy. And they were looking for a home for Missy. And against my better judgment, we met this dog and I knew the second we met her, my daughter was in love. And I thought, oh, gosh, I'm screwed. We got to take this dog. So, <laughs> we got the dog. And it's so funny because I don't even like dogs. Truly, I don't like dogs. But I love Missy. 
Isn't that funny? Uh, isn't that funny? Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. So it's here bit, she is. It's a little bit like when uh, sometimes when you're when you're young, like you think about having children, you think, no way. Like, <laughs> and then you have children and you go, oh, my God, I love them. <laughs> and yeah, so, you know, you just fall yeah. in love, right? So uh, yeah. that's, that's cool. Anyway, so let's go back. So you were in the pandemic. Things were up in the air. You are in this sort of thinking about your life, your heart versus your head. You did reboot and you went, wow, this really is my purpose. I want to follow my heart because you've yeah. always been a people person, right? And, and despite, yeah. <laughs> despite the financial accounting background, you know, the people and the creativity, the teams, that's what, that's what fired you up. So you're doing that now. Yeah. So what are those yeah. what are those three things that you Oh what right. Those three what things. are those three things you wanted to talk about? Well, the first thing, my dog's not making any noise right now. It's so beautiful. The first thing that I wanted to talk about was leading with love. Now, I think that that gets a, a bad rap, if you will. I think that some people think that love, trust, and kindness are weak in business. And mm. I think it's quite the opposite. I think that it means building a strong team on the basis of respect and understanding. Ah. And I know, I know that leading with love means giving people the benefit of the doubt, mm. looking at the problem from many different ways as opposed to blaming others. And I think it means acting for the greatest good of the group as opposed to the individual. Mm. I think the old way of running business is no longer working. You yeah. know, I grew up in the old school system where they were run by fear a lot of the time. And there can be success, but it's usually short-lived. And you wind up having people that are very burnt out who don't feel appreciated. And here's the other thing. When there's an environment of fear, people are not their best selves. Right. They're not leaning into their full potential. They are holding back because they're afraid of getting in trouble. Wow. You know, I uh, worked at DDB and Keith Reinhardt, who was the CEO, he said, fail and fail quickly. Because if you're not failing, you're not really trying new things. Right. And so when we have a culture of trust, one in which failure is not only allowed but encouraged, because when we fail, we're actually tapping into our creativity, something that's not been done, not been said, not been created before. That's the environment where we thrive. Wow, that's a great insight. That's a great insight. And, and like, hey, if creativity and cooperation aren't the fuel for the, for the future with what's happening in the world now, I don't know what is. I mean, you know, yeah. command and control is, is just never going to be fast enough or scalable enough to give us what we need and unlock that human potential. So yeah, what, what a, yeah, what a yeah. great point. And then- And here's, um, I just want to say one other thing, Liam, if yeah. I may. Yeah, jump it's, in. I don't think it's a choice anymore, right? I think that the folks that are coming in, they have a, they have a choice now. We have a, a hiring market where the person getting hired is the decision maker, Right. In the, right. in the market that there is right now. So they are demanding and good for them to be in environments that are good. Right. Good is the new cool, if you will. There's a gentleman that I follow, Afdel, and his organization is called Good is the New Cool. And that's true. 
Mm. We want to be part of organizations that do good, are good, and create good. Fantastic. Wow. Very cool. And, you know, I think everyone listening on the podcast will get it. I mean, you know, they could be in themselves in an environment of fear. So, you know, what's your advice for someone who's maybe in this environment of fear and it's, it's about dominance and top down and command and control? What's your advice? Because, I mean, you lived through it and probably if you looked back, you might have made different choices. But is there a, a word of advice for anyone who's sort of like stuck there or, you know, even for a leader yeah. who's even for a leader who's stuck and like, you know, hey, I want to change and I'm stuck. I, I don't know any other way. So what, what's what's the word of advice? Yeah, I think there's two ways. I've absolutely been on both sides of this. You know, mm. I've been the one leading with fear. I've learned that doesn't work. So I've definitely learned through my experience what works and doesn't work. And I would say for a leader that I think it's a misperception that we need to get over. I think there's the perception that leading with love is weak. And that's really the misperception that I want to eliminate talking to you today and to everyone, to anyone that is listening right now. It's the opposite. We are able to have more direct, more sincere conversations with people from a place of love than we could in any other situation. I've had very difficult conversations with people, and because it's come from the heart, we're able to come to resolution. We're able to find solutions together. And I think the other thing that's really important for a leader to know is that the importance of trust in an organization is vital to its success. Not just the well-being of the people, which is the utmost importance, in my opinion, but also the success of the organization. So I think the only reason why someone wouldn't do it is because maybe they're afraid it won't work. Right. And there's proof. And much of is being written about right now of the proof from leading with love. And right. then I would say if you're in an organization where you're feeling it's fear-based, call it out. Mm. I have been in organizations where some of the newest members with the least years of experience has the most brilliant insights. Mm. The most brilliant insights can come from anyone, anywhere, and anytime. And organizations really need to support that. So if you are feeling that in your organization, I say call it out and wow. do that with love. Oh, do it with because love, right. You, you don't, yeah, may okay. actually be the catalyst for that in your organization. You have unlimited power to create change and impact in your organization, no matter what your role, no matter what your title, no matter what your years of experience. Don't doubt the impact and power that you have, no matter any of that. Mm, what a great message. And that's going to bring us into your second thing, right? You know, your second point that you wanted to chat about. Oh, right. That's right. Intuitive intelligence. I am really curious about how right now in the world where business trends and markets are changing at unprecedented levels, how we can learn to lead differently from the inside out. And what I mean by that is, you know, Albert Einstein is accredited with saying a quote. It wasn't exactly a quote, but it took together a couple of his thoughts, and I just want to share it. The intuitive mind is a sacred gift, and the rational mind is a faithful servant. We have created a society that honors the servant 
and has forgotten the gift. Wow. What a good quote. Yes. I'm going to write Such that down. Such a good down. quote. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, when I, when I read that a long time ago, I thought, well, is that true? And then I started doing some research. And do you know what Richard Branson, Steve Jobs, Oprah Winfrey credit as their secret to success? Nope. Their intuition. Right. So not, so, their, in, not their intellect, their intuition. Right. Not their intellect. Now, they're all geniuses on their own, on their own right, but that's what they, they credit. And some people believe that intuition is a gift, that not everybody has it. You're either born with it or you're not. It's not true. Mm. Intuition is a system that we all process, right? Mm. Everyone has gut feelings. We have feelings around personal safety during the pandemic, decision-making, relationships. Our gut speaks to us. And these intuitive clues speak to us in different ways, but they will rarely stare us wrong. And in my experience, the feelings are a combination of wisdom, experience, and an innate knowing. And what's interesting, Liam, is that I'm in an organization called YPO, the Young Presidents Organization. So I have the great privilege of speaking to many entrepreneurs and presidents globally that run all different sizes, shapes, and offerings of organizations. And so many of them say that they listen to that inner voice and they, they have the ability to access their intuitive hunches. That's, that's what I'm hearing. So intuition is neither magic nor nonsense. But here's the challenge. It takes courage to follow your heart <laughs> and your intuition, <laughs> right. right? Yeah. It takes courage. But Steve Jobs also mentioned something about, we already know what we truly want to become. We know in our hearts and our intuition and everything else is secondary. And like I did very early on, I ignored that. And I became a certified <laughs> public accountant, which I am very grateful for because I learned my way around business, financial sheets. I could do a P&L, a balance sheet, and a cash flow in 35 minutes. So <laughs> there are gifts in everything. There's yeah. always a gift, right? Yeah. Um, but it takes courage to trust our gut. And it takes even greater courage to admit to others how much we rely on our intuition. And I share this and I share the great people that have gone before us and what they've done because I want to walk away from this and anyone who's listening with a little more courage because I think people make false assumptions about intuition, believing that it's a magic phenomenon or woo-woo or that it only exists in the minds of crazy people. And what I'm saying is that is actually the opposite of true. So... I think that um, I'll just share an example again, because I think that's always the best way, because sometimes I've allowed my logic to overrule my intuition. Mm. There was a time a couple of years ago, we were looking to make a hire, a key hire, an important hire, a challenging hire, because it's a very specific skill set. And we met this person and on paper, they were fantastic and they did great in their interviews. And I really wanted to hire this person. But I had this nagging feeling in my gut that something was off. But I overrode it because everything logically made sense. Right. So we hired this person. And shortly thereafter, we saw that it didn't work out. It wasn't working out. Wow. And of course, I learned the hard way to trust my gut. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and look, I, I know from, from my work too, lots and lots of CEOs when you say how do you make those intuitions because we get so much data now too you know we got this data right. that data we get you know this person feels that this person feels that this 
And as a CEO or leader, you're, you're bombarded with all these sometimes that look conflicting even viewpoints, data yes. points. You know, some say, oh, the stock market's going to crash next week. Some say, oh, it's on the up. I mean, you know, who's right? And you have to make, yeah, yeah. you know what I mean? You have to make these intuitive yeah. choices, you know, and the, mm-hmm. and the gut is actually the source of, you know, some independent neurons too, you know, scientifically. Yes. Yes. Uh, it, it works yes. very the micro fast. Be- the micro, is it the microbion or the microbion? The I was reading about that recently. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah, it's in that area. Yeah, yeah, yes. But it, yeah, yeah, it actually has it actually has neurons that are capable of independent decision making. So it's pretty cool. That wow, you know, the gut is real. Yeah, that, that's amazing. I do. I think you brought up a really important point though, and I don't want to gloss over it. It's absolutely essential to vet financial and business decisions with research and logic-based processes. But those alone, don't they don't paint the whole picture. So when making a decision, we may have intuitive hunches about people involved, but we want to make sure that we're also looking at the facts as well. Yeah, yeah. Super, super important. Yeah, well, you know, one of my big things is whole person, right? It's, you know, it's, we -hmm. have our imagination, we have our ideas, but we have a head and that's, that's really important. And we should use it. And it's very good for figuring stuff out yeah. and strategy and data and all those things, but it's nowhere near the power of the heart when it comes to relationships. That's and right. you get those things lined up and then your gut will start to tell you things and, you know, you can, you can, you can test it out. Yeah, I love that. So what's your third one? My third one? Oh, right. We're already there. This is so fun. <laughs> I love it. I know. We could talk for hours. Yeah, I know. The third one is something that I call doubt our doubts. Mm. You know, a long time ago, I was on a panel with women around how do women succeed? How do women get to the top? And there's a finding that comes from Hewlett Packard, and it's been quoted in Lean In and the Confidence Code and dozens of articles. And it's usually invoked as evidence that women need more confidence. And one Forbes article said that men are confident at at their ability about 60%, but women don't feel confident until they're about 90%. So in other words, generally speaking, a man will apply for a job if he feels he has 60% of the qualifications, whereas a a woman won't apply unless she has closer to 90% of the qualifications. And I started thinking about that. Why is that? What is that? And it's doubt. And what is doubt? Doubt is thinking. And what is thinking, right? If we really dig into it, you know, there's there's many schools of thought around how many thoughts we have a day. I've seen that it's about 6,200. And for whatever reason, the thoughts that are doubts seem more real. I can't do that. Oh, I don't have enough experience for that. Oh, what will they think of me? All of these thoughts start coming in. And then we, as women, we start to believe them. I'll speak for myself. I have believed them. I have had doubts around what I could and could not do. And the only thing stopping me most of the time was my belief if I could do it or not. And so over the past couple of months, I've taken a deep dive into doubts, speaking with other women, really understanding what really got to me was I was sitting having lunch with Wendy Clark. Now, Wendy Clark at the time was the CEO of DDB, and she was my boss. She's now the worldwide CEO of Dentsu International. She's one of the most successful women in our business. And she told me sitting at lunch that she had imposter syndrome. And I thought, 
if this lady has imposter syndrome, there's no hope for me. (laughs) 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 I will never get where Wendy is. But it did something to me. It showed me that we all have that thinking. So what's, what's a gal to do, right? Me, I say, let's hold up those doubts to the light and ask the question, is this really true? Is it not possible that I can't do that? Thoughts are simply that. We choose to listen to them or not. And just a quick story, a long time ago, I worked for a very powerful executive and he asked me to go buy him a plane. A plane. Now, I'm a girl, I grew up in Queens. You know, we were very poor. It was rare that I was even on a plane, never mind buying a plane. And I thought, I can't do this. I can't do this. I don't know anything. And then my second thought was, well, I might as well try. And so I did. And all I did was take the next indicated action. I would get information. I would take the next action more and more. And so I wound up buying this executive fractional ownership in a plane. But had I believed my doubts about what I could do or not do, I never would have been able to do that. And so I have many examples of doubting myself. And I coined the term doubt your doubts because doubts are just that, they're thoughts. Just like, oh, I want a cup of coffee. You figure out how to get that coffee. And I think the biggest example of that is becoming a mom. Liam, I have zero idea on how to be a mom. Less than zero. I remember in the hospital room, there's like 20 people in there while you're giving birth, right? And once that little baby's out, everyone leaves. And I'm thinking to myself, have they lost their minds? I have no idea what to do with this child, right? No idea. But you learn moment to moment. I learned how to keep her alive. And on her first birthday, we didn't have a celebration for her. We had a celebration for us, mom and dad, because we kept her alive for a year, having no idea how to do it. And every day, having the doubts and taking the action anyway. So, you know, I think that's the biggest lesson is having the thought, seeing that it's a thought, allowing ourselves to feel any fear that we have, which is actually just another thought and not respecting it as much. And then taking those actions anyway. Mm, I love it. Doubt your doubts. That That's awesome. That's awesome. And shout out to Wendy for being that vulnerable, right? I mean, that, that was a yeah. true sign of leadership. I mean, she... She could have just pretended everything was buttoned up and tight, but she was like, no, I'm speaking the truth. That's that's cool. Incredible leadership. And that's probably why she is where she is now, because she speaks the truth without fear. She doesn't doubt her doubts. Yeah. She reveals her yeah, doubts. Yeah, it's that's right. And, you know, I'm glad that you said that because there have been three women that I've worked for that have been incredible mentors for me and who've had the vulnerability and courage to not only be badass superstar business women, but vulnerable as well. One of them is Wendy Clark. The other one is Dale Bornstein. She is currently the CEO of M Booth. And then the third one is Barbara Glazer, who was the CEO of Ant Farm and has now moved on to the CEO of Antithesis and has had wild success. And she and I are actually on the board together at a place called home. So I am incredibly grateful, inspired for the mentorship of these women. And I hope that I can do the same for other women. Mm, that's amazing. And just for those that don't know YPO, YPO yes. is the biggest network of CEOs in the world, right? Uh, I think it, this is like 24, 25,000. And I yes, heard I a think statistic. there's currently 30,000. Oh, wow. I heard a statistic, yeah. and I don't know if this is true. It's mind-blowing that if they added up all the revenues for all the companies that they represent, 
it would be the biggest economy in the world? That's correct. Wow. That's cool. And, yes. and that's, that's how I met you, actually, wasn't it? Uh, you know, that we met through YPO. Oh, yeah, that's right. We met through our, um, in YPO, we have something called a forum, which is a mastermind of peers where we get together and we talk about business challenges as well as other challenges. And we use the the collective to support and help each other to grow and be our best selves. And we brought Liam in as our facilitator, which doesn't seem a strong enough and good enough word for you, Liam, <laughs> but as a facilitator during the pandemic for our retreat. And even though you were, gosh knows how many thousands of miles away, the impact that you had in our group was incredible. And as you know, we brought you back this year for our forum retreat as well, because even though we couldn't be physically together, what you bring to us, the ability to see the Jahari window, the things that we can't see about ourselves is incredibly, incredibly helpful. Because when you have a group like YPO, movers and shakers and builders of businesses, you know, one thing that we love to do is we love to use our intellect, right? <laughs> we can rely on our intellect. And you help us to, as you mentioned before, tap into the whole person. Mm. And the whole person is the most powerful place that we can show up in for our businesses, for our lives, for our families, and ourselves. Wow. Well said. Well said. You've been well trained. <laughs> 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 yeah. Hey, we're coming close to where we have to say uh, sayonara and, and goodbye for the podcast. Oh no. oh, no. I know. Well, we were just sort of getting warmed up, I think. But I know. I, I want to I give you a chance now to tell people about your business, but specifically, like, who do you want to get in touch with you? If you want to reach out to an audience, who, who is it that you want to get in touch with you? Yeah. You know, I think that um, I just want to share a little bit about the reason why, again, if I can. And I think it's because, well, I know it's because, you know, I've lived in the boardroom and the dining room, right? I've taken wow. a lot of arrows. And what I want to do is I want to make sure that my peers and the next generation, that they don't have to do that, right? I've lived both the nightmare and the dream of being uh, an independent woman in sometimes an old school system. And you know, there are things that I've learned that I know that can help other women to live a life of more purpose, more success, and a whole lot less stress. That mm. is the key. We don't have to be on the hamster wheel constantly going, chasing enoughness. There is another way. And so my mission is to help women. And what I want to do is I want them to know that they can reach out to me on LinkedIn and send me a note. Um, specifically, I want to help women who are super successful, but feel something is missing. Mm. I have felt that. And I have found great solace in understanding that. I want to talk to women and help women who doubt what they think is possible for themselves. Because I've doubted what I thought is possible for myself. And I've seen through the lie that that is. And I want to help women who are stressed and burnt out. Because I've been stressed and burnt out. And I know that stress is not a prerequisite to success. The other thing that I'm passionate about is organizations. Helping organizations who want to attract, recruit, and retain excellent women. There are mm. proven ways to do so. And it requires a willingness to do things differently. But I can help you with that. And so this is what my mission is. This is what my passion is. I'm continuing to grow and, and build businesses and this is my offering, and I'm hoping that I can be of service to women that are looking in that direction. 
Cool, Melissa. So that's Melissa spelt in the normal way, M-E-L-I-S-S-A, and then Palazzo, P-A-L-A-Z-Z-O, on LinkedIn. Yes. Reach out. Yes. Well, we also have something very important, actually, which we left out, Liam, and that's Hart. My Ah. husband's last name is Hart. So my name is actually Melissa Palazzo Hart. No way. So sometimes I, yeah, so sometimes I forget the heart. It's kind of important to include. So it's Melissa Palazzo Hart without the E, H-A-R-T, on LinkedIn. Oh, that is classic when we've been talking about this trade-off between head and heart. (laughs) (laughs) Now you've just told me sometimes you forget the heart. That's crazy. Yep. Yep. Just true. Just, Just true stuff. Okay. All right. Last thing before we go, one last thought to leave the listeners with. If you, you know, had to had to leave them with one last thing. Yes. Now's your yes, chance. Yes, it's absolute. I got it. You are not alone. Uh, Whatever you're doing, wherever you are, with whom, you are not alone. There are people who have done, been there, and people that want to support and help you. Fabulous. Melissa Thanks very much. It's always great for our, we have some fantastic chats. We have some funny (laughs) moments. (laughs) And we're going to have a lot more in the future, I know. So uh, thanks very much. And uh, thank you, Liam. Ciao for now. Ciao for now.